don't ask, how can I get a deal? How can I get investors? Ask, what conditions can I create? Should I create? Have I created that have allowed a deal to show up? And then that will lead yourself to the deal, to the investors, to the increased business that you want to have. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff, and we got follow along Friday today. I'm back. Theo, it's great to be back. It's been about two months Mm -hmm. since I've recorded a podcast. And it was needed to take a break from podcast recording, but fortunately, we've all put in the hard work so that we had a lot of episodes that could run while I was away. And then we had some friends of the show join you to be on the show also, but I'm glad to be back. You doing well? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back on following Friday as well. As Betsy said, two months, we did do a lot of syndication school, and then I did some following Fridays last month. We're still doing those, but yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you again and looking forward to jumping into our topic today. It's going to be interesting. Well, while I've been away, my obsession with chess has gone to another level <laughs> and I am reading books. I have a chess coach who comes over once a week. He's a third year medical student at the University of Cincinnati Medical School. And I'm bringing this up because This is a real estate investing podcast, and I have a couple relevant real estate investing things to talk about as it relates to chess. Two things I've learned, and I've learned a whole bunch from playing chess. So I've played about 250 games over the course of this year, not over the last two months. And I know that because I play chess with friends, and so it tracks that, which my chess coach scoffs at. He's like, well, whenever you want to play real chess, you go to chess.com and you play with those people. All right, whatever. But I've played about 250 games or a little bit more than that over the course of this year. And I play Colleen, my wife, frequently, less frequently now that I've been taking lessons. She doesn't find it as enjoyable (laughs) because I picked up some tips. But what I want to mention is a recent game I was playing Colleen, my wife. And I haven't looked up the record recently, but I'm like 50 wins and 10 losses against her. But all the losses were whenever I was really getting started before I started really studying it. Well, this past week I played her was just dominating. I had my rooks in front of her king and queen, and I had some pieces pinned and just doing really well. And then she moved out of it. I got a couple pieces 
a bishop and a knight or something. So I was up six points. And then all of a sudden I get careless and I move my queen and it's unprotected and she snatches the queen. Then she proceeds to win the game as a result of that. So what I realized is, well, first off, she's not someone you want to lose to because you'll hear about it time and time again. (laughs) You'll hear about it at night. You'll hear about it in the morning. You'll hear about it throughout the day. And she'll actually delay playing you again to soak up the wind. So that's one thing I realized. (laughs) But a second thing I realized and more relevant to everyone else is I was thinking, what can I learn from this, from a real estate investing lesson? And the first thing that came to mind was respect your competition. And I don't think that's the final lesson for this, but I think it's relevant, respect your competition, because I was playing haphazardly, so to speak, but because I knew, hey, I've beat her a lot of times before, so I can do it again. And there's merit to that in real estate investing. But I thought a little bit more about it. I was like, well, what I really learned is it's important to start sharp, but stay sharper. Or another way to put it is start strong and get stronger as you go. And I'll just speak for myself and probably a lot of best ever listeners. You've come across this and it'll be helpful for your business. For my business, we have started strong. We have over $700 million worth of apartment communities and we're rocking and rolling. But if I were to be complacent or haphazard the same way I was in this chess match with real estate investing in our company, bad things will happen. So it's important that this serves as a reminder for me, and perhaps it can for anyone listening, but for me, it was a reminder that, you know what, I can be beat at any time if I don't bring my A game, but even a little bit deeper than that, if I don't continue to put in the focus and the effort and the attention that got me to this point, I was destroying her on the game. And then I made a bad move and then lost the match. Same thing with real estate investing. We're doing very well, but should I lose focus and not put the same attention towards the business as I did leading up to this point, same thing could happen. So that served as a reminder for me. Yeah, that's a really good lesson, Joe. And it kind of reminds me of doing another analogy, like the sports analogy, where you'll hear about someone who obviously played... I guess you can use multiple times in sports during their career where they obviously start off really strong. And then once they get really good, all the attention gets on them. Once right? they sign that fat contract. Yeah, the fat contract. They win a championship. Then they get maybe movie deals or commercials. And the next thing you know, because their focus is on something else, I mean, they're obviously still focusing on sports, but they're not fully focusing on it. Then get worse and they get cut or whatever. But actually, you can also apply this after they leave the league too, whereas they're focusing on whatever their sport was. And then once they leave, they end up losing all their money. Not all the time, obviously, but I'm pretty sure we did a blog post. It's a pretty high percentage that do. But I think that's a really good lesson. Just because you are doing really well and have achieved your five-year goal doesn't mean you can kind of just coast or maybe pull back the reins because, as you mentioned, if you do that, it's not just you maybe making a mistake, but there's also other people that you're, in a sense, competing against too that could also have uh, an impact on their business. So yeah, I think that's a a really good, relevant lesson, Joe. Yeah, you can do a Google search on people who suck after signing contract. Yeah. (laughs) And there's all sorts of NFL players and NBA players, but they're just in the public eye. There's a saying, when people succeed, they party, 
but when they fail, they ponder. And if we celebrate, which is fine, we should when we do well, but we should also ponder what got us to this point, how much of it was luck, how much of it was being in the right place at the right time, how much of it was execution, and what have I done to set the wheels in motion for future success, which leads to the second and final thing I want to mention, a different lesson that I got from chess that is relevant. And by the way, I'm learning a whole bunch of lessons that are applicable to real estate. I'm just mentioning two here. It's a quote from a book that I'm reading. The book's called Logical Chess, Move by Move, Every Move Explained by Irving Chernev. I might have unintentionally butchered his last name, but Logical Chess, Move by Move, Every Move Explained. This is recommended to me by the chess teacher. His name's Vincent. I call him Master Vincent because he's got a 2000 chess score. So I call him Master Vincent. This is recommended to me by Master Vincent. And here's the quote from the book. The master does not search for combinations. In this case, they're talking about chess masters. The master does not search for combinations. He creates the conditions that make it possible for them to appear. Where this is coming from is when you go to Washington Square Park in New York City or any other public park where people are playing chess and you see some hustlers who have the chess board out and they're wanting to play games, those experts who are very good at chess can play multiple games, most of them, very quickly, and they can beat most of the people they play. How can they do that? They don't have all the combinations memorized because that's quite a powerful computer that you have to have in order to have all the combinations memorized. Instead, they put the pieces in place so that the combinations appear and traps appear and they can then win. And how is this relevant for real estate investing? Well, I was just talking to a friend of mine He was about to put his second large multifamily property under contract yesterday, and he had no properties a year and a half ago, and he is the lead general partner on the first deal that he closed on, and then he will be the lead general partner partnering up with his business partner. So him and his friend are the lead general partners on both deals. And he said, I'm excited about what's going on. It's also kind of surreal. And those weren't his exact words, but I'm I'm paraphrasing. And I said, well, this quote actually is perfect for you. And I read him the quote because what you've done, he's got a podcast he does on a daily basis and he attends all the real estate investing events that he can attend. He has a full-time job and he's still doing a daily podcast, just putting in the work and setting the foundation. And I said, what you've done is you've created conditions for yourself to be successful. And now success is appearing in front of you. Deals are appearing in front of you. Investors are appearing in front of you because you've created the conditions to be successful. And that is a recipe for prolonged success. That is a recipe for prolonged growth. So the question when we look at our businesses should be, what conditions have I created that will make the deal show up? What conditions have I created that will make investors show up? Because it's one thing if we say, how can I get a deal? No, 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 no. Dumb question. Not how can I get a deal? The question should be, how can I create the conditions that will make a deal show up? And even deeper, what conditions have others created that make deals show up for them? That gets you the real answer to the question that you're really trying to ask and solve for. 
because ultimately you want a deal, you want investors, you want to grow the business. So it's not how can I get a deal? You're going straight to the effect, but you want to identify what the cause is. So what conditions can I create for the deal to show up? So in this case, you cultivate your investor database, you start building out your team, you look at what others have done, you align yourself with someone or multiple people who are doing what you want to do, all those things. It's asking the right questions. Tony Robbins talks about ask a quality question, you'll get a quality answer. Same thing here. Don't ask, how can I get a deal? How can I get investors? Ask, what conditions can I create? Should I create? Have I created that have allowed a deal to show up? And then that will lead yourself to the deal, to the investors, to the increased business that you want to have. Yeah, I think you kind of mentioned this already, but that's one of the reasons why we talk about the thought leadership platform all the time. Because you hear I'm making a podcast and it's like, well, how am I going to get deals from making a podcast? Like, well, as you mentioned, you're creating conditions so that people know who you are. You're being perceived as an expert. You're meeting people. And from that, you meet someone through them, you meet someone else or you learn something. And the next thing you know, you've set up a system that allows you to eventually bring in team members, bring in investors, and it not be a one-off thing. So I think that's kind of the difference. If you're thinking about I need a deal, then you're going to focus on just getting a deal. Maybe you're, I don't know, just going online and looking for a deal and underwriting all those deals. But you find that deal, you either do the same process again. Whereas this sounds like to me, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but you want to create a system. Whereas you having to actually hunt for a deal every time you want one, you do things so that deals are continuously coming to you and yeah. you can choose which ones you want to do. It's kind of what, what I'm getting Very here. It's something else that yeah. reminds me of too. And again, I'm not saying that Real estate is lucky, but I think the, the same concept is applying when people say, you know, that's just luck or whatever. It's like, well, no, you create the conditions so that you can actually get lucky. Like if there's something that people do via luck, they get to actually be in that exact spot at the exact time in order to be lucky. So that's something that you have a lot more control over. For example, let's say you're here with that leadership platform and you're talking about how you're starting a business and you're interviewing people, but you're continuously mentioning that you want to do a syndication deal. Mm-hmm. And someone listening to this just happens at that time to be listing a deal or know someone was listing a deal. So that's lucky that that guy happened to be selling a deal or happened to know someone selling a deal at the exact same time you're doing that leadership platform. But you would not have been able to get lucky if you weren't actually continuously doing your weekly or daily show. So kind of a vague example, but I think it applies here as well. Someone hits a half court shot to win the national championship in basketball good example lucky shot but holy cow i guarantee you he had practiced that at some mm-hmm. point in time plus they made it all the way to a national championship they put in the work to get to that point to place them at that moment in time and yeah can he hit it nine times out of ten or even four times out of ten probably not but he put himself in a position to have that opportunity and then it happened to fall through And one thing I wanted to mention, going back to the first lesson, you're talking about uh, playing Colleen. I think me and my wife's relationship, I think I'm the Colleen. (laughs) She's really good at chess? No, no, no. We played a different game. I'm saying Bananagrams. You play Bananagrams. But but she wins, even though I'm I'm more of like you and the number of winning, but I still, I'm always joking around about it like all day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you really want to play again? Are you sure? Are you sure you can handle that? Like, I don't want you going to bed sad or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that wouldn't go over well in our household. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Are those the two lessons? Perfect. 
Well, as Joe mentioned, it's been a long time since we did the last Fall on Friday, about two months. We are going to continue doing the trivia questions for these Fall on Friday moving forward. So the last Fall on Friday we did, the trivia question was, and this is with me and someone else, and that is, what is the main difference between the cash-on-cash return metric and the internal rate of return metric? And if you remember, these were all things that came out of either a blog we've done, a podcast we've talked about, a book we've written. And the one word answer would be time. The cash on cash return is something that just is however much money you make divided by the number of years. Whereas the internal return metric is something that there's a fancy formula for, but the best way to calculate is in Excel and it takes the time value of money into account. So if I invest $1,000 and I receive my $1,000 back in one year, then that IRR is going to be higher than if I received $1,000 back in 20 years. So the main difference between those two metrics is time. I think when I mentioned the question, I specified it being a one-word answer. So that one-word answer is time. This week's question is going to be kind of similar, but this time it's going to be the difference between the two main IRR factors. So what is the main difference between IRR and XIRR? So this will be more than a one-word answer, but it may be condensed into one word, but it'll just be a sentence of what the main difference between these two factors are. And again, you can submit this either if you're listening to the podcast, Info at Joe Fairless, or if you're watching this on YouTube, just put it in the comments below. And the first person to get this question correctly will receive a free copy of our first book. I can't ask Joe about these ones because obviously Joe knows the answer to these questions. <laughs> That'll ruin it. That'll ruin it. <laughs> or make me look like an idiot that I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In this case, I do know. Yeah. You taught me this one. And then lastly, the apartment syndication resource of the week. We are still doing syndication schools. Those release two times a week on the podcast and on our YouTube channel. And for the majority of those, we give away some sort of free document that accompanies those episodes for you to download. These are PowerPoint presentation templates. These are Excel calculators, PDF how-to guides things that will help you in your apartment syndication journey. And so we're featuring some of the older documents on Fallout Friday, just so you make sure you're taking advantage of those. And this week is from series number 16, which was how to secure financing for an apartment syndication deal. We talk about the different types of loans, how to think about what type of loan to get. That's a four-part series, so about two hours of content. And for that series, the free document we gave away is the Top Loan Programs document. And this document goes over the characteristics and the pros and cons of the top apartment loan programs. So the agency debt, bridge loans, things like that. So you can download that for free in the show notes below, or you can go to syndicationschool.com and download it in series number 16. Everyone's going to the conference. Yes. In Keystone, February 20th through 22nd. If you haven't signed up, you can go to BEC2020.com, BEC2020. 20.com and sign up. There's a, a code for 5% off on the website. It's the number five and then the word deal. Five deal gets you 5% off. Tickets go up every week. So you want to lock it in now and want to meet you, shake your hand, give you a hug, whatever's appropriate in person. We haven't announced yet what the panels and sessions will be, but I've got it in front of me. So I'll I'll give you a couple. We've got one panel, Stories of the Professional Investor, where we have passive investors talking about how they approach their finances and how they think about investing 
in deals and what systems do they use from a passive investor standpoint. So we have two tracks, one passive investor track and one active investor track throughout the conference for the two days. We have on the active side, which is going to be very interesting for passive as well, but overcoming hardship. So some individuals who have gone through bankruptcy, had some issues with SEC compliance, what happens after that. One of them's gone to jail and has turned his life around. He's gone to jail twice, actually, and has turned his life around. So if you think you've got it bad, then jail, bankruptcy, SEC on you. These individuals have overcome hardship and they talk about their story. And then we have Frank, the co-founder of my company and my good friend and business partner with Ashcroft Capital. He's got a presentation on underwriting and asset management he's going to be doing. So lots of stuff. Go to BEC20.com and you can sign up and looking forward to seeing you there. Perfect. I'm looking forward to it. I was able to make it last year, so I'll definitely be there this year as well, meeting everyone. Cool. We good to go? Yep. All right. Hey, best ever listeners. Enjoyed it. Grateful to be back and talk to you again tomorrow. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.